Well, I'm gonna worry about that when it happens. Until then, Mr. Charles, we gonna handle this shit like businessmen. Sell the shit, make the profit, and later for that gangster bullshit. Yeah. Do the chair no gun diamond gonna look like some punk ass bitches out there? Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. This is one of your hosts, Neo, and joining me always is Solbro and Chris, or Chris and Solbro, if you want to do it alphabetically. Oh, Guys, hey. say hello. Well, hello, everybody. Hey, everybody. <laughs> and as you can tell by the enthusiasm oh. from our two co-hosts here, this is a <laughs> dynamite episode. Oh, man. Actually, this is episode 139, and we're going to be doing just one segment in this one. Uh, it's we're, it's now for our long-awaited review of Aikido, uh, Code Geass, Aikido the Exiled, episode two. Yes, it still is being produced. Uh, <laughs> we, we find out uh, that I think it was released about 13 months ago. So yeah, it's, it's been a while. And just like uh, when we reviewed episode one a long, long time ago, mm-hmm. uh, Armoro NT from the Mecha Talk boards will be joining us as he is Mr. Code Geass. Mr. Code so, <laughs> So, <laughs> but, um, so yeah, we'll be doing that guys. Anything before we get into any news? I do have one comment. Oh, one comment. And, and that is, uh, screw all you guys who, uh, said in the comments that you also hate the Muppets. Oh, you, you have, you have, uh, no souls. And you killed another Henson. God dang it! Don't, don't even because talk about Because of nonsense. what you said, you killed another Henson. Oh, I, you venomous. people have no souls, and you don't know what joy is. Yes. Damn, man. I, yes. I, 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 um, I feel really bad for the Henson family. Uh, my condolences go out to them. them. Killed I, I killed them. That's me. With their hate. My hate and the hate of so many others freaking put him in his grave. I, 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 I sit in stunned silence, but yet I'm talking. <laughs> But yeah, they don't thrill me. But my wife wants to drag me because she knows I don't like the Muppets. She wants to drag me to go see the new Muppet movie coming out with Tina Fey and whatnot. So I'll let you guys know how that goes. I've got no other choice. <laughs> so Chris, there were a lot of people that were posting that they hated the Muppets too. Wow, what, just, a, what just a couple backing him up and and just showing right. that they are heartless automatons. That's right, man. We we yeah. you know who we you together. know who you are. You know you know who you are. <laughs> they got my back, son. <laughs> You know that I know who you are. Against the felt. <laughs> I've been getting shit for it all week, man. All week. And, no matter whether it be on this podcast. Continue to. No doubt. No yeah. doubt. I will be persecuted to the end of time, much like the 11s in Code Geass. <laughs> no. That's not a, good, uh, not a good comparison. Oh, damn. Damn. I was really reaching. <laughs> yes, you were. And, and and your hatred is still confusing because you're like, oh, I hate the Muppets, yet I like Fraggle Rock. I, what? I, it's not hatred. It's, dis, uh, it's disinterest. 
about, how about that? It's it's disinterest. I, I will I will say that up for the most part, I just never been thrilled by them. Maybe the, I saw a few episodes of Muppet Babies that was cool. Oh, I know they're um, they're, they're they're not funny at all. Oh jeez, it's not timeless humor. Oh no, the characters aren't bonkers. Yeah, that's Hold on, true. Honey. Right, the Muppet, da- the Muppet Show is timeless. There's a few things about that show are mad dated. <laughs> Son, mm-hmm. you go watch the Muppet movie from 1979. Oh yeah, and you tell me that that's dated. All right, I will. I will take you up on that challenge. And then go watch the Jason Siegel movie. Well, freaking show uh, my co-host on Not Anime Movie Night. He's going to force me to watch one of these Muppet movies during the session. So that's going to be uh, that's going to be a choice night. Let's say that. So uh, be on the well, lookout for that. Watch those. Watch those two movies, particularly mm-hmm. since the Siegel movie continues. Uh, Sort of a lot of the stuff from the 79 movie, the original. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you still are indifferent to the Muppets after that, then uh, you suck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> quite, quite, quite honestly. Yes. Call the cops. <laughs> no. I'll call, I'll call the the uh, the fun police because clearly you need to be sent to uh, Fun Island. I do. I do. I, uh, I, I, I'm lacking that aspect. I, I, I apologize to the listeners. No, I don't. No, I don't. F, F, F all that, man. I, I, I stand firm in my conviction of disinterest on the Muppets. <laughs> but back to the show. Yes, and I stand now disinterested in that whole exchange. There you go. Um, so and you brought it up. <laughs> thank you, Chris, for your, um, oh, Chris for your comment. Mm-hmm. And thank you, Solbro, for your, I don't even know what you would call that, your retort. Indeed. Of just hatred <laughs> against poor felt people. I want to know how what Austin guys. thinks about the Muppets. That's what I want to know. I'll find out one day. If we agree, I will be mind blown. That that much I can tell. Uh, as as far as I know, he likes the Muppets. Damn man. Yeah, I, I can't see that. I can't see the general hating the Muppets. I thought he was especially, especially Statler and Waldorf. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I now understand. I I see where yeah. his inspiration comes from. I I stand down. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> All right, as we're doing that, I'm, I'm walking over to the Larry King Memorial News Studio. You are the king! You are the king! I just uh, just bowed to the robo-tomes, bowed to the, the large portrait of Lord King and his suspenders. <laughs> and uh, we're going to be doing some Neo's listener-submitted news. Mm-hmm. And uh, always, you can uh, submit those in the Neo's listener-submitted news articles thread in the uh, Gundam section of the Mechatalk forum. And the first one here comes from Rodimus76. And really not going to go too, too much into this, but he's got a link here from IGM. I, there is a uh, trailer of the next Transformers universe. Uh, it's called Transformers Universe video game that's set to release in 2014. Um, it says here just a couple quick little things. I guess it was originally planned as an MMO. It's now originally uh, been reimagined as a massively online technical action game or a MOTA. Boasting fast-paced, battle-centric tactical action. So, um, there you go, yeah. So, um, I know a lot of these Transformers games have been really good. Not as good as the Bay Classics, but, you know... Can't always be, can't always be the, you know, beat the best there. So, thank you, Mr. Rodimus76, for your submission. Oh, and Rodimus76 comes back with a the first one of the night. Oh, Michael Bay, Michael Bay. Oh my God, that's bullshit. What the? 
the survey news alert. Nice. Yes. And uh, he's just got a link here for the comicbook.com website. And if you want to see more childhoods uh, die, if you felt that within the force, <laughs> it just happened because they have a, a first look of the Dinobot action figure of Grimlock. Yes. Ooh. Everyone, all the Generation 1 childhoods are dying as we speak. <laughs> We're looking at that. So... <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Rodimus76, for your submission. Oh, and EA NetDude comes back with another Survey News Alert. Oh. And it looks like uh, at Toy Fair 2014 in New York City confirms that Galvatron and three other Dinobots uh, for Transformers Extinction of All Childhoods. Yes, it looks like he's been confirmed. The Galvatron's going to be in a black and dark gray uh, 2014 Freightliner Argosy, and uh, looks like he's about to, this is here, possibly to be the big bad of the move, movie besides Lockdown, and the other characters, Dinobot characters confirmed are, of course, Grimlock as the T-Rex, Strafe as a two-headed pterodactyl, Scorn as a Spinosaurus, Slash, a Velociraptor, and Slug, a Triceratops. Now, Slash and Scorn, what were they in Generation 1? Because I don't remember a Velociraptor in the Generation 1 Dinobots. What was Slash in the first one, Solbro? I, I don't recall, actually. I don't remember Velociraptor being there either. Um, you know, there was a Pterodactyl, of course, a Tyrannosaurus Rex, a Stegosaurus. Um, and then what's the... So that's what must be what Scorn is then, because yeah. he's a Spinosaurus. I know all these dinosaurs changed after Jurassic Park movie and then something <laughs> called science that, you know, discovered other other, um, you know, other di- uh, dinosaurs and they figured out some of the stuff was put in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. I know science is a deadly thing, especially in places like Texas. They hate to they hate to hear that word science. Damn you, science. But, uh, you ruin everything. <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> she blinded me. Or science. <laughs> Except, I guess, with their version of science, it would have been kind of cool because humans would have been writing dinosaurs. Caveman's writing dinosaurs. (laughs) Robots writing robot dinosaurs. Pretty much. So I guess maybe that was the thing. But um, Okay, but yeah, Galvatron and some more Dinobots have been uh, uh, confirmed. And of course, uh, Serpe's classic is now the Transformers Extinction of All Childhoods this summer. Millions of childhoods will die. So sweet. <laughs> yes. Hey, so uh, Neo, since I don't want to solbro you, um, is there any other Transformers news for this episode? Uh, let me let me scroll down. Yeah. Um, if not, then I might have something to add. Yeah, if anything. Uh, no, sp- there is not any. Uh, uh, live from the South Florida newsroom is Chris Guanche. Chris, oh go ahead with your. We has breaking news on some Transformers. Go for it. So uh, there's a trailer that just dropped for a new Transformers game called Rise of the Dark Spark. I saw that. Mm-hmm. And uh, this one minute trailer is narrated by none other than good old Peter Cullen himself. Mm-hmm. And from the looks of it, you have. Uh, a clash of like two Transformers universes. Uh, it seems like maybe the universe from the Cybertron games crossing over with the universe of the uh, Bay movies. The Bay formers? Oh, wow. oh no. Yes. And they're all fighting and running around and transforming and transformering. Yeah, I know. Oh, wow. That I, sounds pretty cool. I know the hook of the game is kind of like a yin and yang situation where you can choose to play a Decepticon or you can be an Autobot and you can destroy Earth or you can actually save the Earth. So there's a lot. There's, there's a pretty cool dynamic for the game. And I know one of the main thrusts of the story is there's apparently an artifact that's just as powerful as the Matrix called the Dark Spark. 
and um, you could, if you're, I guess you're a Decepticon, you could utilize it to just rip the place apart. So uh, I, it looks like an interesting concept, man. I, I, I'm interested to see how it turns out. Hey, even if the game is garbage, mm-hmm. it's a one minute trailer with Peter Collins. Hell yeah, you can't you can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. It'll work. And it is worse being released as a tie-in game with uh, Age of Child extensions later this. All right, there you go. Well, that's <laughs> can't wait for that. I, I just can't wait for this. I'm getting more and more excited. Um, you know, surveys, surveys been leaking some stuff to me, uh, showing me some things that have exploded. Imagine that there will be explosions in this movie. So, yes, it's going to be good. Can't wait to see all that. So, mm-hmm. so thank you, uh, Mr. EA Netude, for your submission, and thank you, Chris, for your um, breaking news on. Age of Extinction of Childhoods. Thank you for that. Mr. Bay thanks you. <laughs> so, next one here. Oh, it's the first one of the night. Uh-oh. The Robot Apocalypse News Alert here is we going. Go. Sound the alarms. Sound the alarms. Let's do it. Oh, and this is bad. Why is Neo so robophobic? Remember, I think we did cover this a couple couple episodes ago, probably more than a couple episodes, where there were some musical playing robots. There was like a robot band, yeah. and they were playing music. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess they were, I didn't know they were called Compressor Head, which, that's, that's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> but it looks like they have competition, because there is now, I guess this is like the Japanese version, the robotic Japanese version of Rush. It's a oh, three-piece wow. band mm-hmm. uh, called uh, Z-Machines. Hmm. Wondering if they go Super Saiyan. Get this: the guitarist has seventy-eight fingers. What? Yes. Oh my god! Seventy-eight fingers that will kill you, probably. No doubt. And the drummer has twenty-two arms. Jesus. So they are going to be releasing a album off the British record label called Warp Records. So, yeah. I I, I am speechless, man. Does, does the third does the third musician have bits? <laughs> I have no clue. The the basis. Let me see what it says here. Does it say anything about the basis? No, he's just he's just regular. So now you know you know what it could be. Mm-hmm. And and this I'm saying um, not even as a betrayer of humanity, but could be that these robots with all of these fingers and all these complexities will be playing music in frequencies that humans can't even understand, but will be transmitting right. the uh, the invasion codes. Nice. Probably. Yeah. And then that's when that's when you're all of a sudden your Roomba comes alive and he starts he starts vacuuming your he, he's he's vacuuming your floors before well, he was set to you know I, I in your face I, I, in a way it's already starting because I saw on Animal Planet I kid you not mm-hmm. a video of a cat riding a Roomba around a room and uh, smacking a dog as it rode by nice nice so felines are joining in Yes, apparently cats are part of the the uh, robot apocalypse. They can't how be trusted. How, how yeah, did you they, know, Neil? You hate cats. I do. <laughs> I don't hate cats. I just don't well, like them. Some mainly because I'm allergic. That. Mainly because I'm allergic to them. But <laughs> because they're robots. No, and because you're allergic every time. To robots. And everybody out there, anybody that out there that know that's allergic to cats, they all know the same thing. How many times have you heard? Oh, uh, uh, Snickers never comes out for anybody. Uh-huh. They, they, she, she never like, she never likes anybody. Well, it's because I'm allergic to them, and they know this. And cats are <laughs> mad evil, and they want to see people suffer. Nice. So, which is it, why it, they've teamed up with the robots. It makes perfect sense. Maybe, perfect sense. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you're allergic to robo collaborators. Oh, right. <laughs> so this is 
so <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> so it's so when the when the when the when the ro- robots finally rise up, there is gonna be <laughs> cats, cats running Roombas. Roombas. <laughs> And they're gonna have just swords and guns taped to their paws. Yeah, that, or they'll just be swatting at your ankles. Oh, yeah. Because that's get you the worst. Achilles heel. Yeah, get you right in the Achilles to take you down. And My then that's God. when the 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 nano war spiders come and attack you while you're on the ground. They swarm over you and assimilate you. I knew. Jesus I knew Christ. never to trust cats. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> Now you know why. It's all coming together. <laughs> it's all... I know your plan, robots. Believe me. And cats. You're on notice. You know, imagine once when the robot apocalypse happens and when it's finally concluded and they, they put that masterful painting of, you know, me, the Admiral, Survey, and Lord King on the top of a bunch of robot carcasses as we're, you know, fighting back for the, the last stand of humanity. When we mm-hmm. finally win, it, it's going to be now you have to add cats on the robots. <laughs> It'll be it'll be like the Iwo Jima statue. <laughs> it's gonna be the most ridiculous damn thing ever. <laughs> this is why you know what, and it all makes sense now because you have to think what's the most popular thing on YouTube? Cat videos. Oh yeah. So it's it's actually psychological warfare because they're making you oh cats are so cute, they're funny, blah blah blah. They would never rise up against us. Yeah. Well, we heard Gundam are putting see. cats on notice. <laughs> Well, just Cats think. Uh, to Gundam, what bears are to Colbert? There you go. There you go. Pretty That's much. Exactly right. <laughs> well, put it to you this way: uh, you got what? Two cats, soul bro? Oh yeah. I have to. I sleep with one eye. But you open. don't have a Roomba. <laughs> but you don't have a Roomba. Do Thank you? God, man. And when I and I also have a weapon. It's called the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> that that is their own. Isn't that ironic that the 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 only thing that really goes against that that scares cats is the vacuum cleaner, Indeed. but yet but yet they're friendly with the Roomba. Indeed, mm-hmm. it's, it's crazy talk, man. It's 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 almost like they don't even know what they're doing. <laughs> they're, they're befriending their own enemy, and they have no idea. Even the robots, the robots will kill us all, <laughs> cats included. They just don't know yet. They just don't know. Gotta warn him. Oh man, man, that is just. Thank you, uh, <laughs> Mr. Arbiter Gundam, for your submission. And it's it's funny that you did non Matt Cross news. So, uh, but yeah, that is. Oh my God, cats riding. Yeah, now all I can see is people just sending me a bunch of pictures with cats on top of roof. No, you, you know, you know, it's frightening. Mm-hmm. I, I searched on YouTube and I found the the specific video that I saw on Animal Planet, but I've also seen now some more terrifying things like um, cat in a shark costume chases a duck while riding a Roomba. <laughs> what? <laughs> so they'll have armor on then. Yes, they'll be wearing armor. <laughs> they'll be wearing armor. They'll be wearing shark skin armor. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. It's as tough as they come, man. That's that's good. <laughs> Oh my god, I just thought it. Oh, look out, Japan. They're going to have cats in Pundum costumes. Oh, Jesus. On Roombas. And weren't so, and I'm, I'm, I haven't looked lately at what Pundum has, but I'm sure they probably have some type of costume with bits in it already. So, oh my god, can you imagine? Could you imagine a cat Pundum uh, cubile on top of a Roomba? Oh my god. Oh my god. That, is, that is the stuff of nightmares. 
I'm I'm going I'm going to the I'm going to the situation room right away after the conclusion of this episode. So uh, thank you, Mr. Arbiter Gundam, for that. Thank you, uh, thank you, Chris, for uh, letting us know uh, about this new scourge upon humanity. Nice. And cats are to Gundam as bears are to Corbera. We just learned that today. Thank you. Yeah, I, I may end of this news have to reconsider my pending betrayal of humanity. <laughs> Yeah, because because you'll have you'll it'll just be you robots and cats, and do you really want that? That doesn't no. sound like a good world to me. Especially not robot cats. No. <laughs> no. Oh my gosh. What about all- what, what what if eventually the robots and the cats combine into like like a like a gun tank type of thing where it's like the top half is robot cat and then the bottom half is with the Roomba. Nice. Yeah, Roomba. Yeah, and top half is just like. Just like uh, the gun tank, it's got those those instead of guns, it's got just uh, claws. Just it shoots out claws or something, or just it, it's got those you know those flexi arms where it can just throw them all around and just cause oh jeez, all I can think awful. of all I can think of is Grumpy Cat with uh, tank tread legs. <laughs> yeah, this is uh... he would kill me first. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, she she don't kill me, Grumpy Cat. Don't do it. <laughs> Not amused. So, my God, this nice. is just awful. This, Let's go this on escalated this. quickly. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> it's got me thinking now. All these things, it's too bad I can't, like, project what's in my mind right now mm-hmm. onto onto a screen because you, you can just imagine all the hideous versions of robotic Roomba-cat hybrids that are in my mind right now. This is now, just bad. Now, the good news about this, though, is mm-hmm. with cats on Roombas, you know that you can rely on dogs as your allies. Yes, yes. Well, remember, in the tomes, how did they find out about the Terminators? Mm -hmm. They used dogs. So, yes, they are definitely man's best friend. So, now I guess the only weakness I could see with the the Roomba-Cat combination here is, as cats shed, that would clog up the Roomba, causing the Roomba needing to be emptied a lot sooner. So maybe there is an opportunity there to counterattack while they're getting, <laughs> while the cats are emptying the Roomba's trays. <laughs> oh, this is ridiculous. All right, next one here comes from Rodimus76. <laughs> And I'm what have you any of you guys seen this? And uh, it's not really mecha related stuff, but it is Star Wars, and I guess that's kind of important because some people care about that. Oh. Um, but uh, Disney XD released two teaser trailers for the upcoming series called Star Wars Rebels. Have you guys seen any of these? I haven't seen I them. saw one of the teasers. Mm-hmm. How, how, what's your first impression? Uh, it looks like it's definitely uh, leaning more towards uh, the original trilogy, but all I need to know is that this is Greg Weissman, yeah. creator of Gargoyles and the uh, producer of Spectacular Spider-Man. So that's all I all I need, and Young Justice. And so Young I, Justice, I, man. So I don't. That's all I need to know to watch this. He's got a great pedigree behind him, so I, I honestly think this show is going to work out pretty well. Uh, if it doesn't, then I don't know what to say for him. But uh, I haven't. Se- I've only seen screenshots, and they look pretty interesting. And um, if it's going to be more like the original trilogy, then and it's with Greg Wiseman's involvement, you know it's going to be at least enjoyable from the get-go. Hmm. I hope. <laughs> I say that now, and then I, I end up being disappointed. I, I hope that doesn't turn out to be the case. Hmm. It sounds promising. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, Which, well, I uh, guess... By the way, Neo, is, is, there any, uh, is there any other Star Wars news? Cause no, that's... 
that uh, back back to you, Chris, in the South Florida news. Uh, here you have some uh, an update on some Star Wars news. Okay, so um, kind of big news. Uh, we all know that uh, Clone Wars was canceled, but that there's still more episodes to come. Mm-hmm. So uh, Disney announced that next month they are going to be exclusively debuting that sixth and final season on Netflix, along with the entire rest of the series. Oh, oh wow! Shoot, that's fantastic for especially for for fans of that series. Yes. And on top of that, uh, for the first five seasons, they're going to be doing uh, director's cuts of the episodes that are all going to be, uh, not all of them, but some will have uh, longer versions than what you saw on TV. Not, oh, wow. Not bad, man. Not, they're, they're, these these uh, Clone Wars fans are getting treated, man. Damn. When are we going to get the treatment like that for one of the shows we watch? <laughs> well, I mean... The, when the, your fandom is Star Wars, oh, that's when. Oh, shit. <laughs> and when you, have a, when you have a brand new movie coming out in about a year or so. And That's, billions of dollars on the line. Well, yeah. I'll have to sit on the bench. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I believe that final season's like 13 episodes, and uh, it's sometime early March. I want to say like the 6th or 7th, but I don't recall exactly. So mm-hmm. uh, check your, uh, your news there for Netflix and finally see all of the Clone Wars along with the finale. Hmm, nice. Interesting. So, all right. Well, thank you, Chris, for that uh, update. Thank you, Rodimus76, for that submission. And I guess the last one here comes from uh, Fez Dianyo. And uh, basically, uh, there's, there's all kinds of conflicting information on this. Maybe, Chris, you might know a little bit more about this. Um, the you know How they're doing the Dragon Ball Z Kai. I guess now the Majin Buu saga is being taken care of. And I guess there was talk about a English dub for the series. Now there's not one. Do you, do you know anything about this? Or, we're kind of reading everything here, and it's kind of like there doesn't seem to be anything coming as of yet as an English dub. Uh, I've just read what's posted on ANN, so I really don't have anything. Yeah, it's pretty much. I haven't been watching Kai anyway, so I guess maybe they just haven't gotten around to doing the dub for it yet, and people are, you know, freaking out because that's what anime fans do. So uh, who cares? It'll sort itself out one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not like they're not going to um, do an English dub for Dragon Ball Z. It's still a, it's still an opportunity to print money. Uh, yeah, the Boo Saga is going to air April 6th of this year. And I guess the only reason why there's something about this is because uh, some of the Dragon Ball Z Kai voice actors, Kyle Hebert and Sean Schemmel, reported back in like April of last year that they were recording some stuff for this, the Boo Saga. So I guess that's why people thought there was going to be something coming up there. Mm-hmm. But as of right now, Funimation said that there's no plans to have an English dub so but I, I'm I really can't see this knock anyone so down the road but we should all freak out until that happens <laughs> and then freak out when the English dub happens because maybe they uh, dubbed it in a way we didn't want to see a dub or just dub it or, or freak out why are they putting a dub when we can just have subs it could have been easier so you can't always win so thank you Mr. <laughs> Faisal Daniel for your submission <laughs> and thank you everyone for all your submissions and if you have any just always go to the Neo's Lesser Submitted News article thread in the Gundam section of the Mecha Talk forum and Solbro gave me some very sad news I oh. guess the Hopers and Dreamers segment is on hiatus until next episode Solbro mm-hmm. will have more information at that time so uh, I guess we'll be going straight over to some old-timey uh, old-timey news radio hour so with Chris all right well uh, this first one I don't remember if I already did it or not but what the hell I'll do it <laughs> <laughs> this one comes from Philly Gundam fan mm-hmm 
Tonight, an ABC Family premiere event. It's a new kind of beginning for a legendary hero. He fights for family and lives for love. Christian Bale and Katie Holmes. Batman Begins premieres tonight at 8 and 7 Central, only on ABC Family. Really? That Batman Begins is on ABC uh, Family, huh? Yeah. Wow. Gosh. Must be some then. interesting editing. Yeah, must be. Must be the Gosh G. Willikers edition. <laughs> Was it ABC Family? Wasn't it one of those uh, Christian channels before? Yeah, it used to be. Yes, it was. It used to be uh, the Family Channel, which was, uh, I believe, beforehand uh, CBN. Uh, CBN, yeah, CBN became the Family Channel, then eventually got bought out by Disney. Uh, not Disney, but uh, ABC, and became the ABC same Family thing. Channel. So there you go. <laughs> it is ABC, the same thing, but Disney, I, I, just, I, just, I just want to be as apropos as I can be. But yeah, that's that's the progression. Apropos, okay. All right, and this next one comes from. Dayman, who, as we all know, is the fighter of the Nightman. He is indeed. <laughs> and this one, this one really hits close to home. So, uh, shout out to Pedro. Here we go. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Attack ships on fire on the shoulders of Orion. I watched sea beams glitter in the darkness near the Tannhauser Gate. All these moments will be lost in time, like tears and rain. Time to die. <laughs> oh my god, man. So Roy Batty for that ass. <laughs> yep. Wow. Nice. And next we have uh, listener PQ Comics. Mm-hmm. Boy, I'm drinking. I'm singing on the mic till my voice hoarse. Then I fill up the tub halfway, then write it with my surfboard. Surfboard, surfboard. Graining on that wood. Graining. Graining on that wood. I'm swerving on that, swerving, swerving in that big body bends, swerving all this, swerve, surfing all of this, good, good. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I have to know what that's from. <laughs> that's ridiculous. No idea. Oh my god. And uh, n- next up, we have uh, the Foul Sorceress, who is uh, also taking us to the 80s. Mm-hmm. Put on your A's uh, hats for this. Well, Sober never takes his off, so... I'm sure. That, that, that's true. <laughs> Sewn on there. We can dance if we want to. We can leave your friends behind. Because your f- <laughs> friends don't dance, and if they don't dance, well, they're no friends of mine. I say, we can go where we want to. A place where they will never find. And we can act like we come from out of this world. Leave the real one far behind. And we can dance. Dance! We can go when we want to. The night is young, and so am I. And we can dress real neat from our hats to our feet and surprise them with the victory cry. Say, we can act if we want to. If we don't, nobody will. And you can act real rude and be totally removed, and I can act like an imbecile. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And and for your next number, that old St. Seiya classic, and I ran, I ran so far away. (laughs) Yeah. So I think it's only appropriate that uh, we close off the segment this episode with a Code Geass-related submission from oh, oh, wow. listener Fear Junkie. Completely uh, coincidence that this just happens yeah. to be the last one, and it's Code Geass-related. Nice. All right. All men are not created equal. Some are born swifter of foot. Some with greater beauty. Some are born into poverty. Others are born sick and feeble. Both in birth and upbringing, in sheer scope of ability that... Every human is inherently different. Yes, that is why people discriminate against one another, which is why there is struggle, competition, and the unfaltering march of progress. Inequality is not wrong. Equality is. What of the EU who made equality a right? 
rabble politics by a popularity contest. <laughs> the Chinese Federation with its equal distribution of wealth, a nation of lazy dullards, but not our beloved Britannia. We fight, we compete, evolution is continuous. Britannia alone moves forward, advancing steadily into the future. Even with the death of my son Clovis, demonstrates Britannia's unswerving commitment to progress. We will fight on, we shall struggle, compete, plunder, and dominate, and in the end, the future shall be ours. All hail Britannia! <laughs> uh, didn't they forget uh, Euro-Britannia and Europia? Oh, oh, damn. Oops. Oops. Redcon. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's always the Code Geass HD uh, remix. Or, there you go. You know, yeah, a couple years from now. So Add a few in- extra un- unneeded scenes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Follow the, ste- the, seed, the, the seed model. It works. So. Well, thank you for that, Chris. Thank you, Soulbroke. We'll be going into our review of Code Geass, Akito the Exile, Episode 2 with Armor NT. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. It's lucky you had these guys. Use them for smuggling. I never thought I'd be smuggling myself. And this is ridiculous. Even if I could take off, I'd never get past the tractor beam. Leave that to me. Goddamn fool! I knew that you were gonna say that. Who's the more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows him? In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning. In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. And this is Not That Podcast. www.ssapodcast.com the Ass Backwards Anime Podcast. Oh wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, let's go again. We're looking for a few good new types. Over the last couple of months, the Gundam Nation has been getting together to play Mobile Suit Gundam Extreme Versus. We call those sessions EX Versus the Gundam Nation. Well, we as a group recently upgraded to the sequel to Extreme Versus, known as Full Boost. We're inviting you to come on out and play the new game with us. Even if you don't have the game, you can watch our live stream and also join in the conversation that we hold on Skype during the stream as well. It's not only a gaming session, but a social event for mecha and anime fans as well. If you have the game, you can add the PSN ID, the Gundam Nation, which is the tag that we use to network all the players for the sessions. Also, make sure to add to your Skype 
the contact of Shinjuku Dash Station. So you can have a chance to join the Skype conversation during the stream if you want to watch the stream live. Make sure to head on over to twitch.tv slash fighters ready and follow us there so you can be alerted to when our streams begin. If you missed any of our sessions, head over to youtube.com slash gundammahq and you'll find a lot of our sessions that we've already had archived there. Just be in mind that the conversations held in these sessions may not be safe for work. For more details on the event, make sure you visit gundam.net and click on the EX versus the Gundam Nation section. If you enjoy the game, the podcast, or Gundam in general, then you owe it to yourself to come on out to EX versus the Gundam Nation. We'll see you there. Hey, this is Stephanie Shea, and you're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. to Gundam at MHQ. We'll be diving into our topic here, which is a discussion of Code Geass, Akito the Exiled, Episode 2, The Wyvern Divided. And as usual, we're joined by our main Geass man, Amaro. Welcome back to the show. Yes, against popular demand, I'm here again. <laughs> How y'all doing? So, picking up a very long time after where we left off with episode one, who the hell remembers what episode we reviewed that in? Oh, I remember. That was episode 111, which was 16 months ago. What? Damn! I checked. I checked. God, there you wow. go. So, Someone did this research. Remember, <laughs> as you'll remember, in the first episode, King John put aside his differences with the European nobility to sign the Magna Carta. Yes, it's been that long. And then these colonies uh, wanted independence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been hey, a while. Anyone about me making these jokes about the schedule, I feel I'm entitled to make them when it takes 13 months to produce one hour-long episode, okay? Man, oh man. Yeah, so, even even, uh, even Unicorn hasn't been that bad. Exactly. <laughs> so, we have um, some stuff going on in this episode, starting with Huga uh, getting a super fancy promotion following uh, the murder he committed in the first episode that is now being passed off as a suicide <laughs> this guy Manfredi. So we now see over in uh, Europia that uh, these three little terrorist punk 11s have now been um, made part of the Wyvern team, but they're all a bunch of assholes. They don't really want to be part of that, and uh, they're causing hijinks by breaking out of their their uh, little confined quarters and uh, sneaking around this castle and... Uh, Layla reveals to them that on this upcoming mission that they're going to be going on behind enemy lines, she's going to be going with them, and that she wants to make sure everyone comes back alive because they're not just disposable 11s to her. Yay. So we have uh, what's kind of a neat little uh, start to this operation, which is all of the um, mecha, the nightmares, are loaded into these uh, capsules, which are then put into a rocket, and the rocket heads up into space 
uh, flies around the Earth to get to the target faster and then breaks apart so that the capsules can re-enter the atmosphere and then uh, land within Eurobritannia space. So they're supposed to basically be decoys to cause um, confusion amongst the enemy ranks while the main force attacks from the front. Mm-hmm. So we have um, this operation that... Uh, Happens and credit to Code Geass for since it's not a, a space show, they had the luxury of being able to have everything in space be silent, yeah, which was a neat little touch and all too rare mm-hmm. in uh, anything space related. Oh, yeah. you don't like all the all the uh, different sounds going on in, in the dead of space. <laughs> Come on, I, you know what. I, I don't mind. I just give that you know just an assumed yeah. suspension of disbelief. But it's cool to see someone. Yeah. Go different every once in a hey, while. Everyone knows sounds in outer space are louder because there's no air to get in the way. It's one of the laws of anime. <laughs> well, it's just the law of sci-fi in general. Amen. So they managed to land uh, pretty well. And you've got uh, this team of the five nightmares plus all of these drones that are remote controlled by Layla. And almost instantly, she is attacked by uh, these three Japanese punks who want to kill her and run off on their own. But then they don't even get to really fight her and Akito because they come under long-range bombardment from like a zillion kilometers away by these super ginormous cannons. And they're forced to uh, put aside their differences until they get away. And they uh, head into this city that has been completely abandoned and come under attack by uh, some nightmare jerks, the uh, the Ashura force. Oh boy. And the drones basically all get their asses kicked because they're sucky drones and, you know, Layla isn't very good at controlling them apparently. And then uh, Akito's Gius activates and uh, he's all like, die, 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 die. But because there's these neuro devices in the other mechas piloted by uh, these Japanese punks, they become neurally linked with him and somehow his Gius gets into them and they're all like, die, 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 and go into like super Alan B. Berserker mode and they just start wailing on all of these uh, nightmare jerks from Eurobritannia and beat them all down. <laughs> but then uh, that's all interrupted when Hugo shows up in this crazy shiny gold centaur nightmare thing with some <laughs> gear <laughs> axe thingamajig stuff. The steampunkiest and, axe you will ever see. And uh, beats down <laughs> Akito and then is surprised to learn that Akito is the pilot and that he's alive. And he's like, hey, brother, why don't you uh, come join me and give your life for, for this new world? And it almost starts to work. But then Ryo shows up and starts shooting at uh, at Hyuga. So Hyuga's like, ah, we'll meet again, blah, 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 blah. Runs away in his little Kentar mecha. And uh, with the attack Basically a success. The team gets recovered, and uh, Layla asks Akito about Hugo, like, hey, is this dude really your brother? And uh, he's like, yeah. And, uh, you know, I. she's trying to pull the whole understanding card. He's like, you know, I died. I died for him. I already died once, which is why I'm going to return the favor and kill him. (laughs) And then elsewhere, we see uh, this uh, fancy train arriving in a station in St. Petersburg Mm -hmm. and out exits uh, one Suzaku Kururugi. He did it. He did do it. 
with his uh, special passenger, who is uh, the emperor's tactical advisor, who's going to take over planning for the Eastern European Front. Mm-hmm. And um, he's, thought he was uh, dead. Wait, oh. No. He's a weirdo named Julius Kingsley, who uh, looks exactly like Lelouch, uh, <laughs> except that he has a patch covering the eye that also happens to be Lelouch's Gius eye. Who knew? And uh, he sounds exactly like Lelouch because he's played by the same voice actor. Uh, but guys, he's totally not Lelouch. Totally, he's Julius Wait Kingsley. A second. But normally, if it looks Talking like a Lelouch and sounds like a Lelouch, I thought it is a Lelouch. <laughs> except when it's Sayoko. <laughs> okay. <laughs> True. Dude, Quattro Bagina is totally not Char's novel. Not at all. He is a Char. <laughs> no, he's, he's a he is, Julius. He, he, he is a Lelouch. I no, mean, he's a Julius. He is not, a zero. not Lelouch no. at all. He's a he's an orange Julius? It couldn't have been. Is he not, even, it could have been. Oh. not even the guy on, on the horse cart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. We're not bringing that up again, are we? Nice. No. And uh, therein ends episode two coming only 13 months after the first episode so I'm going to let uh, Amaro get the first comment out of the gate because he's really raring to go so please give us your thoughts on episode two. Oh boy I've been saving up for this since I watched this episode this afternoon. Man. Now this is probably going to surprise some people because you know I'm the code DS guy apparently mm-hmm. I'm not liking this OVA Oh no. Oh no. Here's the thing. Now, Overall or just this episode in particular? As of this episode, mm. okay. the first episode okay. I was kind of neutral. This one, uh, it's starting to go down for me. <laughs> Here's the thing. It's just, <laughs> this is going to sound really weird, especially if you filter it through my comments regarding Gundam. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't feel like Code Geass to me. Oh, man. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, this is, this is probably something where a lot of people are going to disagree with me, but I really think Code Geass was more character-driven than anything else. I mean... Yeah. You can argue about the way the plot went, especially in the second season, but Mm -hmm. when you get right down to it, I really feel like the show is a character study of two good friends with extremely different views. Mm -hmm. One who thinks, you know, an end achieved by horrible means is still okay if it's good, and one who thinks that your methods will taint whatever outcome you get. Right. Even if it went sour in the end, it was still, it spent a long time developing these two and showing their philosophies and how it affected them. Mm -hmm. But part of the problem with this show is just, I can't really think of a single element that makes me feel like it's Code Geass. I will completely agree with you, and like I was saying in the pre-show, this episode especially makes it feel like this is Gundam Seed cosplaying as Code Geass and not in a good way. I, I I think if you didn't call it Code Geass, if you called it something else, it'd probably feel better, but just all the elements... I don't... I don't know about that. Like, even just, uh, I mean, I'll get into it in my comments more, but, like, even uh, just as a standalone mecha title, there's not a single character in this show that I care about. There's just a bunch of random psychopaths and weirdos, and I have no idea, like, what this story is building to, exactly. other than a time waster of four hours. That's part of what I was going to say was just, like I said, one of the big things about the original Code Geass was this character study. And, you know, just getting past Lucian Suzaku, you have all these other interesting characters, people like Callan and C2. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, was also, uh, it was also an interesting world mm-hmm. because it's alternate history of us. And, you know, it had those divergent paths. That's what I liked about it. Yeah. You had like, you know, it's like, oh, what if this never really, you know, what if the Britannia became, you know, the... British Empire became something different and, you know, things like that. And that that was interesting, too. So I think 
definitely not only with the characters but just the, the overall concept and then you know uh using the basically using the whole thing of old uh european imperial colonialism and even making even worse where it's like yeah they would take over these places but here they just give them numbers and stuff you know it made it even sound you know even more horrible but it does yeah there's just I'm trying to think, how do I start on this? There's so many elements that just don't work with the established world, and there's some that blatantly contradict it. Mm-hmm. What are the why don't you start with, why don't you, uh, in journalism terms, do the inverted pyramid and move from the most egregious to the least egregious? That'd yeah. probably be the easiest way to do it. Yeah. The most egregious thing, I'm going to have to agree totally with what Chris said, is just, it's hard to find a likable face on the cast. I mean, Layla's probably the best character in the entire show. But still kind of generic. Let's be honest right from the start. It's her show. Octodale's just the title character. She's the one. She's gotten the most attention, the most character development, the most focus. She's the one you can actually kind of relate to because she's shown to be a decent person. Mm -hmm. You know, that nice little scene where she, in the first episode, where she defeats the jerk-ass commander and says, they aren't 11s, they're Japanese. Octo, in his downtime, he just sort of sits in his room and mopes. <laughs> the old, we barely see him. They're kind of pulling the stereotypical hero sets in a Sosuke thing where he's the cold soldier. Except but they have he, way more personality than this guy does. This guy literally has zero personality other than generic murderous psychopath. <laughs> yeah. And then let's talk about the Japanese rebel trio. Mm-hmm. I mean, what the fuck is up with these guys? <laughs> now, you know, all right. t- to, to me, just to just to you know bounce this ball off to you, and then you take this and pick it up if you want. They this entire episode seem to me to be sort of like the geese version of seed druggies. Yes. Three completely generic, bland characters with no personality that I couldn't give two shits about. <laughs> well, now, all right. Now I know the girl is the only one who didn't royally piss me off this episode. Mm-hmm. But that's because she didn't do all that much. She was just kind of there. Yeah. But then you got you know. They hack the computer system in the castle so they can get their freedom, and then they just sit around. They just stick around. Mm-hmm. Like Yuya decide, Yukiya decides he's going to kill Akito with a bomb, with a suicide bomb. Mm-hmm. Why? Cause. Why? <laughs> and Ryo, I guess he tried to steal a nightmare to escape, but he just spent forever running down that tunnel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Ayano, she just sort of wandered the castle, and she got discovered by by Layla. Yeah. But mm-hmm. the part that. The part that really got me was after the drop operation, not even five seconds elapsed, they start shooting at Layla. I mean, it's one thing to get sent on a suicide mission. It's entirely another to remove any chance whatsoever of your survival. What were they going to do? If you're going to try to kill your commander, do it the Yazan way, where you get into battle and it's like, oh, man... Don't shoot at me here. Oops, I moved out of... Oh, no. Yeah, like, where the hell were they going to go behind enemy lines Lines. of said suicide mission with three uh, European nightmares? I mean... And wearing European uniforms. Like, where are you going to hide? I mean, yeah... Especially as three Japanese people. Like, yeah, let's just hang out in Eastern Europe and be completely, uh, you know, inconspicuous. A 1% (laughs) chance of survival is still better than no percent chance of survival. What the were they going to do after they killed her? <laughs> That's a good question. That's a good and question. You roast rest, marshmallows. The rest of the cast, mm-hmm. Let's see. You had Ashley Ashura, the Britannian soldier who is a total f- nut. Mm-hmm. You know, and this, this how dare scene. he use a, a red painted nightmare? Yeah, oh, how dare you, man! Dare you? You, you had this wonderful scene where he's bored, so he decides, "Let's play Russian roulette." 
But it amounts to nothing. He's just trying to have his one eight seven moment, man. <laughs> yeah, but it just it just doesn't amount to anything. It's yeah, it like really for something doesn't. That's such well, a limited show with limited amount of of you know time. You know, it does demonstrate a couple of things about his character. Namely, he believes incredibly in luck, and he has no value for life otherwise. Mm-hmm. And then you get so what's what? and then you you know we have Akio's older brother who. I'm sorry, he just gives off the most generic um, schemer villain vibes ever. Yeah. I'm going to build a new world and kill my way to the top and blah, 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 and everyone sucks except me. <laughs> and God, what else? This is something I kind of briefly touched on when I first said on Twitter that I was going to have a lot to talk about this episode. Our friend Archetype Saber said, asked if I was going to talk about the battles. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, I'm going to talk about the battles. Let's go. Let's go. I hate I hate the CGI in this series. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Here's the thing. Uh-huh. The big, the big. There's two major elements that make the CGI battles suck. Mm-hmm. Number one, the camera angles. Right. Maybe they were going for dynam- dynamism and energy. All I got was a headache. Really? It just, it's too frenetic. Mm-hmm. You can't. If you focus on anything too long, you're gonna get motion sickness. Right. The second thing is just the way the nightmares move. You know, we touched on this in the pre-show where we were talk- just talk- talking about it. You, know, you can bitch all you want about Code Geass season two bringing in flight packs and all. Right. But. The first season, they did kind of try to ratchet it down to sort of the Votoms Full Metal Panic level of ground combat, mm-hmm. where the robots were only a couple of steps better than tanks and planes, but they were still there enough to justify their existence. But then, just the moment that stuck out to me in that episode was the part where Akito's chasing Ashura's nightmare all over the place, and mm-hmm. he uses a slash Harkins to Spider-Man off the building. <laughs> I mean, he's doing shit like jumping into the air and throwing three axe kicks before he touches the ground. That's not even that's not possible for a human to do, let alone a giant robot. Right. It's to me, the moments in Code Geass, the original show, when they kind of exceeded the bounds of the preset combat rules, those were the standouts. Like um the Naruto battle, the first time Suzaku fought Kallen. Mm-hmm. When they actually started it sort of turned into a Jet Li battle. <laughs> that started showing that there really were people who could do this with nightmares. And it was awesome. Mm-hmm. And then you had their final battle at the end of the show where it went from this high-tech shootout to ripping chunks off each other until finally it was just an old-fashioned bare-knuckle slugfest. That was probably the best battle in the entire series. But you had to build to it. You couldn't just suddenly have everyone flying around like it's Crouching Tiger Hidden Robot. <laughs> and, you know, you know, it's not just it's not just the Alexanders. you got people doing this shit in Sutherlands and Gloucesters. That's, well, it's a little bit more believable in the Alexanders to an extent because mm-hmm. you can tell they're they have like multiple weird, yeah. articulation and they're you know they're kind of like insect mode and then whatever. But yeah, you're you're right. And when then, you're seeing us in the Gloucesters and stuff with all the pretty boys. And then of course you got the how in God's name am I going to pronounce this? Versing Don't even bother. Centaur. Just say centaur Shin's thing. Shin centaur nightmare. Oh Just, God. There what? Go. What in the name of Kunio Okawara were they thinking? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I admit, I like some Silas shit. Mm-hmm. I like the Endless Waltz Gundams, but I kind of feel like there's got to be a little function in your form. Why does it have this ludicrous steampunk wannabe halberd? Why do the wheels spin? What the hell do they do? <laughs> how are they How are they spinning without being connected to those gears on the halberd? What are it's they connected just, to, magic? It's kind of giving that vibe, yeah? And what's the point of the centaur mode? Like, what does it actually accomplish? Well, if you go by the website, they say it's a high mobility mode. Mm-hmm. I don't get that. I mean... I have been around horses all my life, and 
yeah, a horse moves faster than a human, but that's because their muscles are that much stronger than us. Mm-hmm. You can't just – if you slapped another pair of legs on a human being, he wouldn't run any faster. I suppose you're right. <laughs> so just And just there, there's plot elements that really get under my skin. They've introduced – it seems like they're doing major retcons. Mm-hmm. The one that the one that really gets me is the idea that the moment Japan fell to Britannia, every nation in the world decided, man, fuck those Japanese guys. Because you, you you know you hear you hear talking about his backstory. There was a ghetto in Amsterdam. Yeah. I guess apparently the Dutch decided they hated the Japanese overnight and built a ghetto for the however many Japanese were living in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. Which Just, which is 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 really weird. I, I suppose especially if you already have like a Japanese neighborhood that's integrated in Amsterdam. But I I thought that was more of a, a refugee situation where refugees left Japan and were able to scatter to all the different countries, and there was such an influx of them, they kept them uh, kind of uh, corralled. But maybe, but the, that sure I, as hell wasn't I, much of a refuge. Yeah, I, I think you I think you have to also look at it just. Even in the the first show itself, there's a lot of Japanese nationalism and kind of a lot of. I always got the impression too of like kind of the world is always against us. Type yeah, of but feel. this takes the, the the it takes it to the the, extent, the, the repression yeah. and the yeah. uh, the victimization and the woe is the Japanese like to a ridiculous level beyond. No, I, I I agree. I'm just saying it's it's not it's not that surprising. It's just the fact that they do turn it up to like a thousand. I mean, yeah. yeah but you know how many different regions says Britannia conquered at this point, and Japan is the only one getting this treatment. That's uh, true. I mean, you know they conquered 10 before. <laughs> yeah, you don't hear about, like, oh, look at all these filthy uh, ones just, you know, hanging around. They should just fucking die and go you away. Know, it's like the entire nation of Japan and all her people suddenly started getting written by the people behind Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Because the universe hates them now. Man. You know, even, even the rebels, like Yukia himself says, I hate Elevens, because he had to deal with the jerks in the ghetto. Yeah, so it's like, but you are an eleven. Yeah, <laughs> you're a, a self-hating eleven. Yeah, he's a boomerang bigot. He hates his own people. A boomerang bigot. <laughs> and just all these elements, none of them really seem to mesh with what they set up about Code Geass. Mm-hmm. And well, yes, what of about, course. What oh, about the? I'm sorry, but what about the most obvious one when you're saying kind of retconning is the uh, the introduction of some of these new powers and players yeah. like this Euro Britannia. Exactly. And Europria, and I mean, we were always under the impression it was just the Chinese, the EU, and Britannia. Now it's this whole other thing. And what they did know. basically was it would be like if they did a Gundam side story where all of a sudden, you know, you had the African Front where there is some Zeon soldiers, and then there's some Zeon soldiers who want to ally with the Federation, and they're fighting each other. Right. But. And then of course, let's let's just get to the character de resistance. The Julius, the elephant in the room in the room, the, the Lelouch in the room. Julius fucking Kingsley. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest here. Mm-hmm. I still don't think it's gonna be Lelouch. What? Really? Alright. People were already as soon as the information that he was that Jun Fukuyama was gonna be playing this guy came up, mm-hmm. people were already concocting their theories. I don't think it's gonna be him. I think the staff is having a good laugh at our expense, just pulling the cocktease bit, because they well, know how popular he is. But here's the thing. If it's not Lelouch, why is it that in the one scene on the train, we see Suzaku showing so much hatred and disdain for Julius in the exact same way that he feels for Lelouch? Yeah. Because he looks and sounds just like the guy he hates. Nah, but if he knows that he isn't, he shouldn't be that it, upset yeah. about it. Yeah, Some why people, would that matter? Sometimes hatred's not rational. 
Yeah, and but that's... why? Well, for Suzaku, who could for a guy who can so cold-bloodedly as a kid murder his own dad because he thinks it's the right way to peace, I think he'd be able to like control his hatred for just some look-alike for his enemy who is not actually his enemy. Mm-hmm. I think it just it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, in my opinion, that the emperor would just gear his son and use him as a tool to conquer Europe, and then send him back to Japan just to wait out. The Ragnarok plan, mainly because, you know, there's this guy, Schneisel. <laughs> He's already loyal to the Emperor at that point, and he doesn't need to be mind-controlled. Yeah, but Schneisel's, like, shown as such a weirdo off doing his own thing and probably but couldn't already, be bothered. We know he was already working on the European front. They established that. Well, I and, think- and so was Cornelia, but, you know, whatever. Well, no, Cornelia was off doing her own thing. Well, she, yeah, she was often in, in the Middle so East. Was, and so was um, and so was Suzaku that's been established. I think what you had said earlier, the fact of we are kind of getting trolled by the writers, but we're getting it because, like you said, Lelouch is so popular. Mm-hmm. I think they feel that they have to put him in here some way yeah. to make this work. And we, I don't think you have to because you have enough established. We know Suzaku after he became the White Knight or, and he went over there and he was doing battles then that would make sense. But why would you... It just doesn't... You know, I mean, based on the I, information we have. I'm not getting into the whole... The thing Macross Frontier fans did with the whole Kawamori trolling my fandom. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm just saying it feels extremely blatant and silly to bring in this cheap excuse representation of the popular main character just to shore up viewership. Right. Oh, and I course, mean, but that's what they do, though. I mean, it's and it's not... It's a... It's yeah. been it's it's happened before and it'll happen again. I mean, I know, but if the all show, this stuff, if the show can't stand on its own legs, then does it really deserve to be made? But and, right, but you have to. Yeah, just to but, cap it all off, I got to say one last thing. I'm sorry, Layla, but I'm not about to take life advice from someone who looks like Captain Sailor Moon of the USS Enterprise. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> and she and she said the word understanding, which was like, yes. like, oh, no. oh why should they go there? Don't. You that's know, a forbidden. We, that word is verboten on Gundam. <laughs> you know, sweetie, we saw you with your hair down. You looked fine with your hair down. Lose the stupid little Sailor Moon Odango, okay? Okay, so before we move on to um, our thoughts, mm-hmm. uh, I do have one biting question, and obviously um, it's taken us this long to review the show because it was so delayed. There's a span of 13 months, as I mentioned, between the first and second episode. It was delayed multiple times. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, is there any indication that they delayed this to make uh, story changes, like, for example adding a troll character who was not previously intended to be in the series, for example, is, I mean, is there any indication that, you know, you know, that they were held up by animating the mecha fight or that they decided to just completely change focus and mess with the story that whatever was they were originally intending? Do we have any indication of what happened for all these delays? All I know for sure, if you remember the preview for episode two, they mm-hmm. had a scene with C2 in it. They sure did. Yes. Yeah. And they she does not the- show up anywhere at all in this episode. Not what at they all. Say, if I recall correctly, <laughs> they said that scene got moved to episode three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if there was any particular reason for the delay other than they just wanted to make the episode better. Right. You know, as I've said before, I really hate this long format where, you know, they take a year to make an hour-long episode with movie-quality animation because mm-hmm. you just you forget everything that happens in the meantime. And you I'd stop re- caring. I'd rather just get eight regular episodes on a decent release schedule with TV-quality animation mm-hmm. if the story was better. But there's so many points in this. That was one of the things that really got me was there's a lot of disjointed scenes in this where they'll show 
like a five minute scene and then just boom, cut to black and then do a new scene. It just felt it was so disjointed, disconnected. It was really bothersome. So, uh, Sobra, what did you think of episode two? Well, I uh, loved it. Wow. Wow. You, you, you want to go on? <laughs> I, I, I'm a little bit mixed about this episode. Um, I, I I thought the initial watching watching of the episode was uh I don't know it, it put me in a weird spot I'll I'll quote um I'll agree with um Amaro when I say that um the inclusion of Lelouch and Suzaka felt forced and nothing really much more than fan service it's so minuscule in the episode that you know you do make a note of it but at the same time at least you're asking more questions and maybe that's the point but um if it if it retroactively screws things up with how R two starts. Then I'm gonna be a little miffed that by the time the series ends, because of the fact that they took such a big leap um, by involving Lelouch, Lelouch in this series. When I, we heard about this project starting, I was hoping this would be kind of the eighth MS team of uh, Code Geass. We got to see another part of the war going on around the world, and we got to see the European front that we heard so much about about in, in the TV show and saw a little bit about in uh, R2. So I thought this series would be kind of more of an in-depth look at the European front and what was going on there. But they're concentrating on such small characters and the bigger scheme of things is not being looked at that it's starting to become a disappointment. I still like Akito. I, I like his origins, the fact that his uh his brother is his nemesis. The, the relationship him and his brother have is kind of like the antithesis of what Lelouch and Nunnally have. So I, I appreciate that. You know, these are two brothers that are out to kill each other for the most part. And, you know, that makes for an interesting story and him an interesting character, but there's not much else interesting about him. So, you know, he's just the cool hand Luke of the series, and um, you just know that he's been geased to kill himself, and that failed. <laughs> and we, don't, we really don't know the story behind that yet, but we know he, he did try to kill himself, and he managed to survive that, so now it has an inverse effect. Um, which is kind of the inverse of what Lelouch did to Suzaku in the series, where he gave him the geese to live no matter what. So that also is kind of a, a, a it, it, the table's being turned on that premise too. So, um, I will say some positives about this, uh, this episode. Um, I really have grown to like Claus Warwick. I, I think he's voiced by Keiji Fujiwara. And it's so uh, rare to see him playing a great, playing a nice character. Usually no he's, the, uh, he's the Sanchez is in the show. Normally, normally he's a dick. And for him to play that smooth ass assistant to, uh, Layla was really cool. Uh, um, always got that flask on point, man. The never end the alcohol in that flask, man. He's always going in. But, uh, he was easily. Apparently, my Europe has very loose regulations about, uh, soldiers drinking on the clock, which maybe is why they're getting their asses kicked. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to get your ass beat, you might as well be drinking. <laughs> But uh yeah um uh I I I'm not really feeling the three crazy kids uh although I do like uh a little bit Rio out of the three uh mainly because he has that turn of heart towards the end when um Akito is facing off with his brother um I his brother really doesn't interest me all that much I know he's a maniac and a sociopath but who isn't in the, in the military in this series <laughs> who is it in charge and a sociopath save for a few people and um he's just another guy trying to move up the ranks with his own plan of uh of 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 taking over the world and you know he's not going to win he's he's not going to succeed because we know how R2 at, continues on at this at this point i kind of think that in the code geass universe you know every soldier has to do a psych eval yeah. and if you pass with flying colors they discharge you <laughs> oh jesus come on that you, makes you, sense you've seen both seasons you've seen these episodes mm -hmm. what else explains it the thing that gets me about this series, though, in comparison to Code Geass, is that 
Code Geass, every episode had a level of tension that was ridiculous, save for a few eps where it was about the school festival or something like that. But even those episodes had their moments. I don't feel the tension in this. I don't. It's it, when I went back when we were reviewing the show, I felt like this was the anime version of The Shield when it came to uh when it came to Code Geass, because you have an anti-hero as the lead. He's he's uh, unlike unlike the lead character in, in in the Shield. He actually has noble is this, purposes. Is this the legend of Vic Mackey the, we're we're talking about? Yeah, now? Wait, when, when it comes let, to, let when it comes to the I want to hear this. But no, I said this way back in Gundam, way back in the day before oh, before you saw just, the series. Who could, rem- who could but, remember? But I, I remember, so I'm just gonna go off of that. But I, it it was a series that featured a, a antagonist. Oh, I was so more so an anti-hero as the lead, but he had to do a lot of dirty deeds in order to get what he wanted. Done dirt cheap. Done dirt cheap, and some expensive at the cost of many lives. But um, the tension felt the same to me as the shield in Code Geass. Every episode ended with with a cliffhanger, and um, you didn't know what was going to happen next and who was going to die, and you know, and and what Lelouch would have to do to get what he needed. So you know, it felt like it had that kind of pace that the shield had, and I never seen that in anime before. I fuck, I, I freaking love that about the show. This series pace is really slow and it feels disjointed and um even though it's gorgeous looking i i I, i'm I'm starting to get a little disappointed maybe this episode will prove to be the worst of the bunch since there's going to be right now confirmed four episodes but um i honestly don't know i will say the best part about this episode though was the animation and when it came down to it the fight scenes i loved the hell out of those Amuro was a little thrown off and maybe sick by them, but the frenetic action, the way the Alexanders moved, and how they beat the shit out of the uh, other Nightmare Frames, I thought was a uh, the easily the crown jewel of the episode. The, the were, were the pretty much the battles. Outside of that, that's pretty much my overall uh, views. I was going to bring up the C two thing, but you guys already did. So <laughs> sorry. I, I, that, that's pretty much it for my my take on the episode. Okay. I actually did forget. I did forget one thing. Mm-hmm. Just one thing that plugged me was the moment where. You know, you had that neural resonance, whatever thing. It felt oh, like yeah. it was taken straight out of Evangelion. Kind of, yeah. Where, where the three Japanese dipshits start <laughs> feeling Akito's gas. And it seemed like it was just a cheap excuse to get them to be decent people at the end. Because mm-hmm. after they synchronized with him and saw the memories of his brother trying to get him to commit suicide, mm-hmm. that marked the point where they started sort of acting decent toward him. Whereas yeah. before, they just wanted to kill him. They had a shared experience. It just felt like... It was a cheap deus ex machina to sort of change their characters in a heartbeat. It was and I a, did not like that. It was a convenient shortcut, and um, I, 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 it, I wasn't sure why it was happening to them. And explain to me why it wasn't happening to uh, to Layla. She didn't have the same apparatus in her or her nightmare. Uh, or? Like right before the battle, they said that the four of them had they were highly synchronized, despite the fact that they're not family. I see. I guess they're going to say it has something to do with you know common origin. They're all Japanese. <laughs> I just assume that because oh, she was a commander, she had, you know, commander machine with slightly different uh, with the halo. specs. Like, so she had oh, the yeah. halo to control the drones, so... Nice. Oh, yeah, and what, what was with that scene of the head scientist talking to, like, her boyfriend in the cryopod? Yeah, Like, see? randomly, like, here's some dude in a cryotube, and let's we'll hide him in the wall. Like, that's, the, that's more that disjointed feeling you get about this series, is that you're getting a whole bunch of parts, and none of it makes sense. And maybe because it's being told in the longest form... Um, and it's all supposed to make sense towards the end, but it doesn't help to have a year well, between each episode. So, <laughs> I honestly don't know. I think I'm, everyone, mm-hmm. everyone's going to have to go back and watch this whole thing in a single yeah. watch. 
I think it, it, it'll fare better with that. But then again, it may not if they decide to like shortcut a whole lot of story elements that they planted seeds for way back in the beginning. So and that could very well happen. I've seen it happen with multiple other OVA series. But anyway, uh, back to you, Chris. So, Neil, what were your thoughts on this episode? You guys didn't like Brain Raid? We're about to hit Brain Raid? <laughs> or Brado Raido? Oh, man. That, yeah. Well, I watched this episode, and mm-hmm. five minutes in, I had to go and rewatch the first episode. Because, um, <laughs> you know, normally I have a pretty good memory of stuff, and you can kind of figure out most of the stuff that was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it was 13 months prior, and not a whole hell of a lot went on in that first episode <laughs> as I'm sitting there watching it. And um, as much as I liked uh, the first one, because it does kind of give you a sense that there's some bigger thing going on, yeah, this one just kind of jumps around. And, you know, for a lot of the points that were brought up, uh, I think we have a lot of things that are going on that maybe there is going to be something coming at the end. I don't know. The whole Suzaku thing didn't bother me mm-hmm. because... A, we knew that he was going to show up in the show prior. Oh, yeah. B, we know from the continuity of the previous show that he was in Europe around this time. Mm-hmm. So it would make sense. You, you, you're going to bring your if, – if this group is really inflicting a lot of uh, problems with Brentani, you're going to bring in your big heavy. Makes sense. Perfect sense. But then, yes, old Julius Kingsley, kind of don't know where that's going. Like I stated before, I, I, I think – I disagree with Armro. I don't think it's. I think that it is Lelouch. Yeah, I think and so it's going to be some stupid, convoluted way that <laughs> why he's there. And I mean, it's just because, like I said, if it looks like a Lelouch and smells like a Lelouch, and the fact that Suzaku just is just pissed off because if this guy was a plant or a clone or something like that, I don't see him. You know, as much as you can hate something, you're always going to be more visceral hate when you see the actual thing, the actual person. So mm-hmm. I. I it, it and it's probably just for the fact of Belushi is so damn popular, and I'm sure people they they want to see him put in there some way. Fine, whatever. We'll, we'll find out when they reveal it. I will gladly. We'll find it. out in what 26 months, probably. Nice. nice. So I go. mean, that's which is fine, but um, probably won't care by then. Get but, <laughs> <laughs> by the time the sun turns into a dark lump of coal about the size of my fist, we'll be getting episode four. <laughs> we'll, we'll find out in time for the uh, Code Geass HD remaster project. Probably. For the 10-year anniversary. Don't even yeah. go there. <laughs> but um, Which is in two years, by the way. Damn and which will, fe- which will feature a scene where Euphemia trips and falls onto Lelouch's sword. <laughs> oh, damn. I'm kind of indifferent about the fight scenes. Yes, it is out of the realism, but I think just for looking, I, I like the way they were choreographed. If I'm mm-hmm. just looking at like a technical aspect, I kind of like that. But yeah, it's it's all ridiculous with the um, uh, the uh, you know these the suits doing whatever. I think there's way too many Britannian aces in this one too. There's too many of these guys going around in capes and. You know, oh, this day the order of Michael is going to destroy these rebels and blah blah blah. And it's just, I mean, it, it that that's a little annoying. Like I stated earlier, what is up with now this whole Euro Britannian and then you know this whole thing with um, uh, the this Europa and then you know the revolutionary the revolutionary spirit of the EU and it's like they kind of go they kind of hint at it and then you don't know what's going on and. It's it's very disjointed. I thought the you know as cool as the let's launch them in a, a rocket to drop them behind. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's cool. 
but for probably all the resources and material and, and money that you're spending, wouldn't it be just better just get a larger force to drop behind <laughs> with maybe high altitude, uh, you know, bombers or cargo planes or something like that? I mean, uh, as cool as it was to put them on Apollo's chariot and, you know, sending them across the way, it's like, well, you probably could have got more people. And I, well, I know I think that the idea would be, I'm, and I'm no scientist, but I think the idea is speed because Correct. I, think, I believe you, by going up to space and doing the orbit around, you're getting there faster than if you were flying conventionally on Earth. Yeah. And they were flying with the rotation of the Earth, which is all, yeah, which is also part of the reason. Yes, I, I, I do get that. But <laughs> you sit there and you're like, okay. But, um, yeah, so, and then uh, the whole thing at the end with like, Akito and his brother, and, you know, it's it, it's just a little weird. I guess we'll have to find out in 13 months what's going on. And I almost think, I'm kind of wondering with these these three Japanese that they have on there, um, you know, why? what is really the incentive for them to eat? I can see why they kind of rebel, because what is even their incentive to do what, they're, you know, Layla and them want them to do. It's just like, oh, hey, you got kicked out of your your country and you've been crapped on, and here we'll give you the opportunity to fight and kill people. But really, you know that these people are going to turn. I mean, for God's sakes, they tried killing you in episode one. Yeah. So it's like, what, what kind of? I mean, somebody said they they're kind of like the druggies and seed. Well, at least the druggies and seed needed the drugs. That was kind of the fail-safe of, <laughs> of, of keeping those guys in line. It's like, yeah, you want to rebel, fine, but you won't get this uh, good old you know, drug here. So I, I just kind of don't get it, but hey. But, um, I think it's yeah. her being more so being a, a, an idealist that um, has half-cocked ideas when it comes to mm-hmm. uh, trusting. Well, she basically wants to prove to point to the military that the, that the 11s can be uh, solid allies with fighting against the Britannians and... I think it's a half-cocked idea because as soon as they got mechs, they wanted to tear her heart out. So it's, it wasn't a real yeah. well-thought-out plan. But um, Yeah, you would think that she would, at least if she's the commander, mm-hmm. you'd put some type of kill switch or something yeah. where it's like you, you really think this is a good idea to give these three lunatics – uh, weapons given, and you know just because given her character I could I could see Layla refusing to have a kill switch like that yeah. just based off her personality yeah and her I will naivete. say <laughs> I, I can or, easily see whenever this show finally gets into super robot wars I can see her readily joining the Black Knights oh shit well but why why can't you put in the RoboCop the OCP order you can't kill anybody from OCP that's a, a higher up man come on the fourth objective <laughs> yeah <laughs> Or, or just be like, I work for Dick Jones. Exactly. A whole bunch Dick of Dick Jones. A, a whole bunch of red assets, man. Shout out to the new RoboCop movie. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, I think in, in conclusion, um, a lot of stuff going on. A lot of things that could be probably pretty cool or be nice to go into a little more detail if you had, oh, let's say, twenty-five episodes to do it or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I. I I, I'm good. I, I think Armoro stated earlier. I'm, I'm, you know, maybe less less te- uh, less effort on the animation, more on the story and, and stuff like that. With it's, I'm good with t- good old TV animation as long as maybe the plot makes sense. And this this episode just kind of it kind of meandered along. It's it's not garbage, but it's not you know that great either. It's just kind of the good old way of describing it. Meh. I mean, well, all right. In, in essence, yeah. So. 
All right. Back to you, Chris. Well, I mean, a lot of what I feel has already been said, and, and I've said a lot of it, but uh, definitely the 13-month wait between episodes, and even then I waited a few more months to actually watch it, mm-hmm. that really sort of dampened my enthusiasm for the show. Yeah. And I'm sure it did for everyone else, even if you bought this day and date in Japan when it was coming out. Yeah. You know, like, you wait 13 months to get the next episode, and then you're like, who the hell remembers what the hell's going on? Yeah. Uh, and then on top of that, once you see what is going on, it's like waited 13 months for this. Like, what was really accomplished? You know, yeah. where, how much further did the story actually go beyond what we already knew from the first episode? Mm-hmm. We really uh-huh. learn virtually nothing in this episode because you actually learn we, more in the first. Yeah, we have this revelation that uh, that Hyuga gave Akito this geas of die but that for whatever reason it had the opposite effect and just makes him go kill people like crazy and not die, sort of similar to Suzaku's live Gius. Mm -hmm. I have no idea why this works the way it does. And what bothers me about that is, unless this series is going to get unicorned and extended, you're already halfway through the series. You don't really have the time uh, for these vagaries and mysteries. Mm -hmm. You really need to just be explaining these things earlier on. Yeah, and it's and it's. I mean, in essence, what you're brought up to, it's it doesn't have to sit there and redefine the Code Geass universe. It if you can just do a short little story, you know, four episodes of some other thing going on in a different part of time that's going concurrently or in between the the other show, it's not a problem. But I, yeah. having to sit here and oh, we got to do all the mysteries that we had in Code Geass, eh, not really. And, and you have go ahead, Amro. I hate to raise the specter, but you know, we, this is basically you know an hour epi- an hour every episode, four episodes. It's basically an eight episode show. Yeah. And then you look over what did Gundam do with eight episodes? War in the Pocket. Yep. And that's pretty much the high mark for OVAs, and for a lot of people, it's one of the best Gundam shows. Period. Mm-hmm. It yeah. did what it needed to do. It told a story in it in the same events as the TV show in a different place. It yeah. didn't ever conflict, but it mm-hmm. did its job very well. And every episode felt significant as well. They didn't feel the need to explore exactly what a new type is mm-hmm. or the origins of the Federation and the Xeon. They just told their little story, and they did it well. It was interesting that you know they take um, there is a Gundam in it, but it's it's it it, it were, it's plausible the way that they have this Gundam. Sh- Kind of show up. You it's know, the it's, definition of a side story. It doesn't yeah. try to be a main story by its very nature. And you know, the feeling when I was watching this episode it reminded me way back of about ten years ago of Macross Zero, oh. another oh, highly anticipated OVA series where you had very long waits. In those cases, about five or six months, Ooh. which they were consistent about for the most part. Mm-hmm. But started off on a pretty good note, but then the quality sort of decreased as uh, things were going on, and there are all these weird. things things and like massive explanations about these things and retcons you know about protoculture and you know all these things that really shouldn't be uh, widely known at this time and like major changes to the mythology of the franchise blah 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 with an ultimately uh, at least for me disappointing results and mm-hmm. lots of tree hugging <laughs> yeah yeah I, I agree with you on that and I feel that Akito's going in that same direction because 
as we've all mentioned, you know, the, the story just really meanders. The character motivations make no sense. The characters are all a bunch of random psychopaths for the most part who mm-hmm. I don't care about. Uh, Layla is the most interesting, but even then, she's just sort of the generic, naive idealist. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't want people to die in war, which we've seen so many times. Basically, this episode just feels like a parade of every robot cliche ever. Oh, shit. With nothing to add to the mix. Like, oh, here's some, you know, random psychopath in a red suit, and, uh, you know, he's part of this elite force, and one of his little pansy men dies for him. Like, all of those guys, they just had to look the look of... Uh, Freaking um, the Dragon Slayer from Escaflone. Yeah, I was about to say he, he was he was pretty much a whack ass Delando. <laughs> he basically was just like a crazier Lando. Yeah, and, and and I think the problem is is like that you can have all those characters over a twenty five episode show because you have twenty five episodes to do this. But when you have the equivalent of, like, eight episodes, you don't have the space. And, you know, whatever uh, Hugo's, like, stupid grand plan is, Mm -hmm. we obviously know it's not going to work. No, yeah, no. Because this is a side story. Um, Also, that's the doom of the pocket side story is everything is going to end with these characters dying or disappearing. Mm -hmm. That's why you got to have a small vision to start with, which, like you mentioned, Gunnam 0080 doesn't try to change the world, doesn't try to redefine things, just tells a small personal story within the larger canvas of the one-year war. Yep, It's an isolated incident in the the aspect of the one-year war. And that's what I was really hoping for with this series, but clearly they're not going in that direction. Mm -hmm. Um, Other stuff that annoyed me. um, Random things like, you know, uh, cryogenic boyfriends. Oh boy! (laughs) Boyfriend popsicle? You're not feeling that? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Let's see. What else? Um, Well, that's one for your freezer sperm. (laughs) Two, overall, too many characters. Yeah, way too many. The size of this series. Uh, The nightmares really bugged me because, as was mentioned, there's just way too many customs out here Mm -hmm. and way too many ridiculous slings like Huga's centaur thing that just don't make any sense in this world of um, the series. From what we saw in season one, season two. Like season one, we have Britannia still using old ass mecha like uh, the Sutherland. Yeah, yeah. As, when, when, there's other, when there's other better when better suits out there that they were using in the European front during that time. Yeah, it's like we got these fucking crazy centaur things with gear axes jumping around, and mm-hmm. then Europia has these like ultra creepy like spider things running around and you know drone mecha and you know what what is all this junk where did all of this crap come from like this doesn't look at all like code geass like i was saying in the pre-show like it feels like they jump straight from code geass into five star stories damn with the mecha design (laughs) yeah makes sense yeah and i wasn't as bothered by the combat as Amaro, but it definitely felt a little stale in the sense that, like, here's a bunch of, like, things just jumping around moving really fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And shooting stuff. Like, there wasn't really much to the combat beyond that. Although I will say that at least the mecha were rendered well and had a lot of detail on them because CG mecha is still an area, even in 2014, that anime is very hit or miss on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they were they were well rendered, even if the fight choreography itself was kind of lacking. Yeah. And I think it's just a missed opportunity to have explored characters that we have already 
seen. Like, for example, a lot of the Knights of the Round from R2 are a mystery. Like, what, what have they been up to? Yet to assume maybe some of them, in addition to Suzaku, were fighting on the European front. So why not have used some of them and flesh out those characters more to sort of fix one of R2's problem rather than introducing a whole new set of uh, psycho aces and all of their uh, crazy custom mecha. You know, it, get, it gets me. I could have sworn they said that Monica, like that one the female knight of the round, did well on the European front. Mm-hmm. And there, there you go. She, she was supposedly like the second in command of the knights of the round, and yet she didn't even get a custom machine. She was rolling in a cellar when Suzaku pulled her. <laughs> There's a story there. Why isn't yeah. it being told? Or seeing stuff like we saw in R2 of... Um, you know, Cornelia pacifying, um, you know, an area in the Middle East. Like, why not have, have some more development of the people we already have rather than introducing a whole bunch more that we don't care about and we'll just end up dead anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then there's just, I just don't, I don't understand this concept of Euro Britannia that was never at all mentioned in the TV show and just really makes no sense. Like, are they an ally of Britannia? Are they like an offshoot? Are they, um, like an integrated part. Like it just, there's really is little explanation about this. And then you have this uh, Europa United and it's like, are they the Euro universe? Are they something different? It's like, what are these factions that have come out of nowhere? Yeah. I, I I have no answer. (laughs) On the positive end, Mm -hmm. I will say, uh, you know, the animation is great. Yeah. Uh, There's a lot of uh, very great, well-known voice actors Mm -hmm. in this project. So Mm -hmm. it has that going for it at least. But otherwise I was disappointed by this. I really feel like for 13 months and for only an hour of story, it was a really a waste that went nowhere. So what you're saying, it's not, uh, uh, go ahead, go ahead. (laughs) It's not, it's not terrible, but it's also not that great. So what you're, what you're saying is your girl Maya Sakamoto couldn't even save it. Damn. Not even she can save it. Damn. I'm not that blind Ooh. and will uh, love something just because she's in it. Well, Maya, you tried. She, she put in a sterling <laughs> effort, but, you know, one person can't save a bad project. Look at Raul Julia and Street Fighter. Oh, man. Although I will say the acting on this series is one of the few things I will praise. Mm-hmm. Good acting all around. Lots of great names. Absolutely. So I think for myself in conclusion, I will say that, yes, obviously, um, I will be watching the next two episodes because we have to review it here, and I have to review it on MHQ, but my enthusiasm uh, is significantly dampened, and my expectations are significantly lowered, and based on what I see in episode one and two now, I'm expecting the next two episodes to just disappoint me based on my history with mecha anime having seen so many over the course of the last you know like 13 or 14 years like you see so much of it you start to see a pattern develop Mm -hmm. and you kind of know that when something starts to go off the rails it's very very rare for it to ever get back on track it makes you it makes you feel like they even the production team behind this took forever to get back on track with this series to the point where you know maybe they lost their momentum too um, Who knows? Yeah. I mean, there could have been a whole bunch of, uh, you know, rewrites behind the scenes because this is Sunrise. I mean, it's kind of hard to believe that, you know, they just wanted to work so meticulously on the animation that they had to keep delaying it and end up having it be 13 months apart because mm-hmm. that kind of stuff impacts sales. If people forget about your product because it's been so long, they're not going to be that eager to get the follow up or they'll just forget about it. Yeah. So I really wonder if, um, you know, there was a lot of behind the scenes changes and we'll never know that probably, but uh 
yeah, I'm not so excited about this, and I'm just going to be like, eh, episode three, all right, here it is. I'll watch it, whatever. <laughs> so let's close off with ratings. And uh, Amro, what would you rate this episode as? I think I'm going to have to give this one two ridiculous hairstyles out of five. Oh, nice. Nice. I mean, I'll, yeah, I'll watch the next two episodes in the hopes that they can pull something out. But right now, episode two is definitely a low point, And I'm not going to stick with it just because it's Code Geass. If they can't pull it off, then I will definitely tell people to stay away from it. Mm. Being tied to a show I enjoyed is not a free ride to get good reviews. Way to put your foot down, sir. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, you're still going to be forced to watch it anyway because you got to come talk about it with us. So well, you're no, no, no free pass for you. <laughs> yeah. Don't get that yeah. deal card for well, you, buddy. I'll find a way to make you all pay later. Trust me. Indeed. That's what I do. Well, you're going to make me pay later by giving me all, all of these uh, stupid uh, robots to put up in the mecha section. So, <laughs> Well, after all, all right. I am the man who destroys worlds and creates them anew. <laughs> yeah. So, Neo, your rating. Um, I'd have to say uh, two and a half Suzaku did it out of five. Oh, boy. Okay. Solbro? I'm going to go straight down the middle, too, man. 2.5 parkouring Alexanders out of five. <laughs> I will go and give this one two and a half absurdly form-fitting pilot suits out of five. There you go, man. And did they form-fit? Because <laughs> these these pilot suits were, like, to ridiculous muv-love levels. Did they put, you know, on, did they put them on in a vacuum? <laughs> yes. Well, you, if you saw when she put hers on, it vacuumed up. God damn! It man. vacuumed up like freaking Marty McFly jacket to just perfectly fit every contour of her boobs. No doubt, and across the area. I swear, <laughs> I swear, when it comes to anime, women's pilot suits must add at least a cup size. Seriously? Jesus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Am I wrong? It's like a no, breast. Would, wrong. It's like even a breast would being asphyxiated. <laughs> uh, even the other girl got big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Made no sense. So there you have it. That's episode two of Akito the Exiled, The Wyvern Divided. We'll be back in five years for episode three. <laughs> Don't worry. We'll get, to it. we'll get to it before the Vorlons take over Earth, I promise. Nice. Thank you again, Amro, for joining us, being our man on the scene, our Code Geass expert, for better or for worse. Always a pleasure. And that's it for this segment. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. Podcasting is king. You are listening to Gundam at MAHQ. What do the Anime Addicts Anonymous hosts think of My Little Pony? If you're a dude older than 12, <laughs> you really should not be watching My Little Pony. And if you are, go eat some chicken wings. Anime. I'd rather watch the Smurfs. Smurfette was hot. Addicts. I'm pretty sure I set a few My Little Ponies on fire when I was a, when I was a child. Anonymous. No, that's cool. I'm just saying, like, My Little Ponies burn real nice because they're made of plastic. Podcast. Visit us at aaapodcast.com, iTunes, Facebook, and live from Japan on Ustream.tv. I can't 
believe Game and Morphin gave Gears of War 3 a 9.4. Ugh, those guys have rocks in their head. It clearly deserves at least a 9.6. Bro, why do you even care? Modern Warfare 3 is a far superior game in every way. You guys are still playing with your consoles? You fully immerse yourself in true PC gaming. Are you sick of nerd ragers making you feel like your games don't matter? Or do you feel like professional game magazines have sold out and only cover major releases? Sure you are, so join us here at secondopiniongames.com and let us make your video game conversations fun again. Our main podcast focuses on all gaming news, big and small. And don't forget our other podcasts where we talk about video game collecting, fighting games, the best games you never played, and other just mindless and mindful ramblings that entail what our main focus is. Let us be your first stop in Second Opinion. So stop by secondopiniongames.com. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Man walks down the street in that hat. People know he's not afraid of anything. Gun damn straight. Welcome back, everybody, to Gundam at MAHQ. You've been listening to episode 139, where we had an extended segment about the second installment of Akito the Exiled, the uh, Code Geass OVA that we waited 13, wait a minute, 16 months to see. <laughs> Although it did come out 13 months after the original release. Um, joining us for that segment was none other than Amaro NT1. And many thanks to him for joining us in this episode to, uh, to cover his favorite subject, which is, of course, Code Geass. And he was so excited about this OVA as you could tell in the review go back and listen to it again I'm sure you'll see how happy he was I also you might have noticed that there's no mailbag this episode we're gonna pick up where we left off on the mailbag next episode uh, we had to cut this episode a little bit short just uh, in order for the sake of time but um, thank you guys for listening and um, I just have a few shots don't lie because Chris there's not enough top 10 lists on oh there. Jesus and Chris only likes the top 10 lists Neil you sold me out don't try be funny <laughs> Do not try being funny. Do not encourage them. <laughs> uh, it ain't going to work. Nice. I've got two shout outs to give besides the one I gave to Amaro. And many thanks for him for being on. Um, thank you. A, a very, very emphatic thank you to uh, one of our awesome Canadian listeners. His name is Michael M. And uh, he donated five Master Grade Gunplaws to uh, Gundam at MAHQ to give away in future episodes of our podcast and also on our live streams for uh, EX versus Full Boost um, the EX versus the Gundam Nation we've actually already given away one of them on the live streams and in future episodes of the podcast we'll be giving away um, uh, some of the models on this show in, in very creative ways so be on the lookout for that and also um, I want to give a big uh, congratulations to the True Yup on Twitter for winning the first of the five models which was a master grade of the double O quanta. Um, he'll be getting his soon. And uh, any, um, any anything you guys what, want to uh, add about what, that? What, uh, what, uh, what anime was that uh, double O quanta in? Oh, Awakening of the Trailblazer. Who was the Trailblazer, and when did he awake? <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure. I don't. I don't know. Oh man, just wondering about that. Indeed, man. We, the, the mystery has yet to be solved. <laughs> but, and uh, may never be. And may never ever be. But uh, and I'm confused. Is it better or worse than season two? Double O season Double two. O. Well, clearly it's both better and worse. If yeah, you know anything a... about online fandom. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay, thank you. Well, you know it, it, it'll never be Destiny. It's oh. it's it's uh, it's Schrodinger's uh, Schrodinger's Gundam. It's simultaneously 
better and worse. Better and <laughs> worse. Okay. Okay. I get that. There you go, man. Makes sense. What a great analogy. Thank you. Before we wrap this episode up, check out these websites when you have time. Head on over to where the magic happens. MAHQ.net. Visit there for reviews of many mecha-related animes and manga series. Also join the conversation at MAHQ's official forums at mechatalk.net, where you can find forums for this show and other MAHQ and Shinjuku Station podcasts. There you can comment on the thread for this episode or others and submit questions for future podcasts. If you're looking for previous episodes of Gundam at MAHQ, look no further than Gundam.net, where you can also find information on all of our previous episodes. Also find us on iTunes by using the keyword Gundam, and make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. After listening to our show, your next stop should be Chaos Theater, MAHQ's podcast that focuses on other facets of nerddom outside of Mecca. Hosted by the webmaster of MAHQ, Gundam's own Chris Guanche, and the pedal bear of the South, Tomopop's own Pedro Cortez. You can tune into the show at chaostheater.blogspot.com and on iTunes by searching for Chaos Theater. Don't forget that we're also on YouTube, where you can not only find our previous episodes, but extra content as well. Subscribe to these channels when you have time. YouTube.com slash Gundam MAHQ. YouTube.com slash Chaos Theater MAHQ. YouTube.com slash Fighters Ready. YouTube.com slash Shin Station Fight Tube. And YouTube.com slash Shinjuku Station. Last but not least, make a beeline to Shinjuku Station's home for live streaming. That's tinyurl.com slash Shin Station. Every week we stream live with anime commentaries like Shoji Ramaro's Anime Movie Night and live podcasts like our new show, Barbecue Night. Don't sleep. Head on over to tinyurl.com slash Shin Station and follow us to keep up with all our future live streams as well as archives of our most recent sessions. And that's it for episode 139 of Gundam at MAHQ. We'll see you guys next time. Legendary Outlaw? Forget it. We arrested these five on Xandar. Check out the rap sheets. Drax, a.k.a. the Destroyer. Since his wife and family were killed, he's been on a rampage across the galaxy in a search for vengeance. Gamora, soldier, assassin, wanted on over a dozen counts of murder. Rocket, wanted on over 50 charges of vehicular theft and escape from lockup. What the hell? Root. He's been traveling recently as Rocket's personal houseplant slash muscle. Peter Jason Quill. He's also known as Star-Lord. Who calls him that? Himself, mostly. He's wanted largely on charges of minor assault, public intoxication, and fraud. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know how this machine worked. Gundam at MAHQ is a Shinjuku station and MAHQ.net joint. I want to talk to somebody in charge. You are not fooling anybody when you say that what happened was a natural disaster. 
You're lying. It was not an earthquake. It wasn't a typhoon. Because what's really happening is that you're hiding something out there. And it is going to send us back to the Stone Age.